This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all A Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With Dylan Hafer Well, go check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer, and today I am joined by Betch's very own Sammy Sage. Hi, Sammy. Hi, I am thrilled to be back on my favorite podcast. Don't tell any of the other podcasts. (laughs) I'm excited to have you back. I know you are like a Beverly Hills lover, and we talked, I think the last time we talked was like, Maybe the season trailer had just come out or something. And it was like we were, there was a lot of anticipation, but now we are deep into it. And I'm excited to chat about that and Ultimate Girls Trip and just a lot going on. Oh my gosh. I am, yeah. So it's weird. Like Beverly Hills is not my favorite franchise, but I, well, I don't think it's the best franchise, but I feel that I want it to be. So I'm like, you know. I'm like the most interested, I'm most invested in it becoming good, but it disappoints me, frankly, um, time after time. I understand. I think there's always, it feels like with the Beverly Hills cast, even maybe when the drama isn't quite delivering on the show, it always feels like there's a lot to talk about. And I mean, this season we have a, a large cast and there have been, you know, various different dynamics going on. Um, but before we get into both of these show recaps there is a little uh a little la times article that just dropped this morning like literally minutes before we started recording and here's here's the headline the man who played hollywood inside randall emmett's crumbling empire this is uh, another la times bravo crossover work of art article it's it's lengthy it's in depth. Like Kyle Richards, I haven't quite had time to read the whole thing yet. But Amy Kaufman, who co-wrote the article, she said, for the past four months, we immersed ourselves in the world of Randall Emmett. The journey of working on this investigation was unlike any experience I've ever had in journalism. They're talking about um, Randall facing nearly a dozen lawsuits, allegations of abuse against women, assistants, business partners, offering acting work in exchange for sexual favors, forcing assistants to conduct illegal activity. Um, There's, you know, stuff about 50 Cent in there. There's stuff about cocaine in a hotel safe. It is really like, it's like the works. It's like when you go to like a breakfast place and you get like the like classic breakfast that comes with like eggs, hash browns, toast. Grits, Sausage. bacon. It's like the full plate. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, again, I haven't gotten to read the article. LA Times, you are goddamn expensive. It's $1 for six months, but then $125 a year? That's wild. Okay, that is like I'm not like getting the paper every morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's so I can read this one article about Randall Emmett. None of this surprises me, but but it does surprise me that they were able to get it so documented in an LA Times article that they were able to get so much corroboration. But then again, it's like, oh, he doesn't seem like a particularly careful guy. And everything we've seen from him 
his movie with Lala, the money by Monday, his divorce or separation from Lala, like his cheating on her, like all of these. It's not like the signs weren't there. Right. He always seemed like one of those people since we've kind of known him post my man era where it was like, who's this rich guy? It's always felt like he was you could tell he was shady. And even if you didn't know exactly in which way he was shady, it felt like there was maybe this darkness, like one layer below the surface. So like maybe we didn't, you know. But now we said it like it wasn't out there in the open and on Vanderpump Rules, certainly it was never really a storyline. And, you know, so it was kind of like this nebulous thing of like, oh, Randall seems scammy. But to have all of this on the record, I mean, like you said, it doesn't sound like he was very careful. Here's one of Amy Kaufman's tweets. Two of his former assistants also claimed he sent them to retrieve something from his hotel room safe. The code wouldn't work, so they said they called hotel staff to open it. Inside, quote, a big bag of cocaine, one claimed. Like, if you, right. if you're, like, really <laughs> worried about your image, you're not having the hotel staff retrieve your bag of cocaine. <laughs> right, it's all, well, well, the thing is, he probably wasn't thoughtful enough to think like, oh, these assistants aren't going to tell me they can't open it. And maybe there's something. I just wonder, like, didn't the assistants think who the fuck knows what could be in there? Could be a gun. It could be, you know, if you you tell me if you named like three people and you're like, what would be in Randall Emmett's safe? I would have guessed cocaine, a gun, a wad of cash and like maybe a gold bar. And like an extra passport, to be honest. He just right. seems like, like the, that kind of guy. It's either going to be like drugs, a weapon, or like some form of money or like valuables. <laughs> like, right. Diamonds that are like loose, <laughs> just like in a bag. Bl- blood diamonds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Randall is one of those people where it's like, this is not... It's not surprising, but it's shocking. Like it's because I think the L.A. Times also it's like this is way different than if there was some like, you know, reality TV blog reporting that Randall had some lawsuit. It's like the L.A. Times is not writing a four month reported investigated journalism piece that's just like tea and rumors. It's like, no, this is like this is like a, a bombshell investigation. And, you know, it's giving like I mean. I, I'm not the first to say it, but it's like a little bit of like Harvey Weinstein vibes in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's sort of what I was. That's kind of, I think, a, another point. And like not to make this, you know, I know we're on a light show. I don't want to make this like too political or too serious. But like there are some people who I think we've learned in the past few years, whether it's through the Me Too movement or Donald Trump. There are people who live lives of crime. Like there is people who there is nothing above board about their business. They are you know, it's not just like, oh, they're trying to avoid taxes. Like they're also doing a a number of sketchy things that is like their approach to life is sort of inherently sketchy. There's, it's not like, it doesn't even almost occur to them to take the, the legal path. And I think that like, that's how you end up with someone like that. And I think there's a lot of characters like that roaming around LA and especially there um, because there's so many transplants and it's like everyone kind of mixes there and like, strives yeah but yeah i mean this makes like total sense that it would be him doing this i wonder who's gonna be um 
cleaning the ketchup off the walls at Randall's house today because I feel like he probably threw oh, some no. shit when Sparkle came out. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he does Heinz or Sir Kensington's? That's the question. Oh God. I don't I don't know. Whatever is like looks expensive, but is probably not very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I, I am gonna try to access that article somehow. Maybe maybe someone can send me a PDF or something. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be busy hacking into the LA Times after we cut off this recording. Those are our lives of crime. I'm like, how do I get around the LA Times paywall? No, truly, I'm like, okay, like, can I procure a screener a day early? Like, that's my <laughs> right? that's the extent of my underworld dealings. Splash refreshers are the delicious zero calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week. Grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin in orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about Ultimate Girls Trip because this season so far is very much delivering for me. And the new episode that just came out today, I think sort of encapsulates this season really well and we have this you know blow up between Tamra and Dorinda that I think is really epic we have this weird meltdown at the end with Jill and Dorinda it just feels like this Bluestone Manor trip is like a ticking time bomb and everybody is really going through it well okay Dorinda let's start with Dorinda I think that by having this at her house rather than at a neutral location they were they were smart, you know, they're producers, they're banking on her becoming like transforming into like a tiny little dictator <laughs> because you're at her house, <laughs> which is like what we're seeing. And I think they're setting her up to they set her up to freak out by putting her in charge because she she has this whole like way of going about things. And like, I don't know if this is I don't know how you, how you feel about this sort of it's just like a general behavior of people, but like. I've never had an estate like Dorinda's. I've never even owned any real estate. But 
I one of my biggest pet peeves is when people like Dorinda who have like a really nice home and they're the hostess, they'll like invite you and they'll make a huge thing about how they're like inviting you and their hospitality. They tried so hard, but actually it's just like really their moment to like enforce rules and be condescending about their house. And like, it just kind of makes everyone afraid to touch anything. Like I get that she wants her house to be clean and whatever, but like, I don't think lecturing people is giving like the gracious hospitality that she thinks it is. And I think that that is... I think the producer sort of set that up to be like a a source of conflict. I I totally agree. I think like you said, it's kind of a brilliant production decision to have it at somebody's house because obviously there is stress that comes along with that. We know Dorinda can be a very, you know, reactive kind of, you know, short fuse person, especially when there's like alcohol and stress and whatever in the mix, but it does feel like she there is nothing that you could say or show her or tell her that would make her think she's not the world's best hostess. And like, I, in a way it's like, I understand like it is your home. If you have certain rules, I guess I understand that. But also it's like, you have a fucking hundred people in your house filming a TV show right now. And I'm sure there, you know, like, who's to say that like the camera crew isn't going to be making a bigger mess than Vicky's cupcake in the room that you gave her, by the way. But like, it just is the kind of thing where it's like, I am sure, first of all, I know Peacock is like paying her to use the house, but also I'm sure when this is all over, Peacock is going to send a whole ass cleaning crew. And it's like, worst case, maybe some of the fitted sheets are stained. Like, I just think it's one of those things where like, it does feel just a little bit like for this one week you don't get to tell people they can't wear their shoes upstairs that's just not in your control right now this is bluestone obviously it is her home but like this production has descended upon it and for this one week it's like it's not really your space right and she's like trying so hard to make it fun but actually she is kind of being the reason it's less fun and like the way she was speaking to you know, Dorinda kind of lets her mouth fly. And that's like what makes her an interesting housewife. But the way she was like speaking to Vicky and Tamara was clearly like very condescending about how like in houses like this, you don't do that. It's like, you don't touch the Morgan letters. Like, I don't understand like what she, it, it's just very like a high horse. That's like not fun. Totally. I mean, it, right. It's the kind of thing where we want there to be drama. We want to see this obviously like I'm you know I enjoy watching it but from Tamara's perspective I thought I totally understood her kind of journey of emotions in that whole interaction where first she was kind of like annoyed she's like okay that's fine you don't need to show me the sign like I get it I understand I'm sorry and then it, it Dorinda just kind of kept playing into her and first there were you know she was getting upset she was starting to cry and then when Dorinda saw that she was crying the natural, like the human, like empathetic reaction would be to be like, sorry, like, I don't mean to make you feel like shit. I just, I, you know, I get particular about my home, whatever, whatever, like, it's fine. We're good. I don't want you to cry. But like Dorinda is like taking it in the opposite direction. And she's like, but I my home. And like, I, I, when Tamara blew up, first of all, I love that because, you know, I, finally, I, I, I just, I, I love it. But it's like, 
I kind of get it. Like, why would you want to stand there and just listen to like over and over and over again, Dorinda coming at her. And then I also fully supported their decision not to do aerobics. Yeah. It's like, why? Totally. It's like Dorinda's in a little bit of like, she's on a little bit of a power trip. And what did you think of Brandy's assessment that it was like a recently fired housewives duel? Do you think that, did that occur to you or do you think it's right after she said it? Um, I don't think she's necessarily wrong about that, but I also, I don't know that I, I'm not getting the same energy from Vicky and Tamara that I am from Dorinda. Like, I think that Dorinda's earlier on in pause. the season, <laughs> right, earlier in the season, the on pause thing was a whole conversation. And I think while there are numerous women in this cast who would either be interested or would be elated to be asked back to their show... I think Dorinda is the one by a wide margin that feels the least kind of separated from her show. Like even like even if Tamara and Vicky have been off their shows for the same amount of time as Dorinda ish, it's like Dorinda is the one who she she, she feels like that chapter yet. is right. Like that chapter is still being written whereas I think Tamara maybe would like like a new chapter with, Mm -hmm. you know, another Housewives thing. But Dorinda really is like, no, I haven't even saved the Word document. I'm not going to close it out. Like, I'm coming back any minute. And so I think, you know, I think Tamara is just very good at playing this game. She always has been. She always kind of had that, like, producer's instinct. And I think we see that in this episode a little bit. Like, her screaming, storming off, going up the stairs. You know, she is great at this. But I, to me, it doesn't have the same... desperation feels like a harsh word but it's like it doesn't quite have that same like feeling of Dorinda on her power trip you could tell that Tamara was like truly just pushed to her limit and she snapped because she that was her real reaction Tamara is my platonic ideal of a housewife like she to me is the you know not in a she's not like my favorite even but I just think she is so good at being a housewife she adds to casts so well and she does create drama without it seeming like she is trying too hard to create drama and you know I think I think it's good that she and Vicky are together because it seems like Vicky is not in a good headspace for filming anything because of her breakup she is not she seems you can tell she's only half in it and like I don't fault her I get that if you were doing this the day after a breakup I think anyone would be not (laughs) in the best place for this but it, it. I do see why that has sort of made the two, Vicky and Tamara, stick together in a way that they might have, mm-hmm. like, you know, been a little more independent if this weren't happening. Yeah, and it's funny when they're at their um, at Taylor's tea party later in in oh. the day. Which, first of all, these days are so jam packed. It makes me tired just watching it. I'm They're like, earning their salaries. Phaedra in this episode alone, I think, wears three different wigs in one day, and I'm like, the amount of work that goes into that <laughs> like i can't i just like three outfits yeah. is one thing but she's doing a full hair change in between every activity and i think like when they're at the tea party and vicky vicky in particular really is upset by the suggestion that she and Tamara kind of are one entity and it's funny that vicky is more upset by that than Tamara because vicky is the one who kind of isn't in it like you were saying like she seems to kind of be going along with what Tamara's doing. She, 
you know, she obviously skips the aerobics as well. But then when when Dorinda's like, well, why didn't you go? I was yelling at Tamara, not you. Vicky's like, oh, it was my own thing. It was my own thing. I just didn't want to go. I needed to be a, a part. And it's like, okay, but also you were like doing a whole bit with Tamara up there with like cleaning the room. Like you guys weren't just like doing your own thing. I'm glad they were doing that bit. That was entertaining. Like I didn't, I don't want to watch these women do aerobics. Like, First of all, if I'm on a if I'm on a bachelorette party, I don't want to be forced to work out anyway. So like the idea of being like, you know, ma- having mandatory aerobics would bother me on its own. Like mornings are meant to be free on on girls trips. I understand. Look, I understand like Dorinda wants to be the leader, but I almost feel like she's jumping her own. She's like making herself jump the shark by how hard she's trying. Well, I think the thing with Dorinda is that people, she is liked. She is, has always been a fan favorite since she's been on the shows. You know, her last season on New York, I think was a little bit of a rough patch for her and she needed to reel it in at some moments. But in general, in general, yeah, the like, the general sentiment toward her has always been mostly positive and people have wanted her back. And when legacy is in the conversation, like she is one of those people where you kind of assume she's going to be in the mix. And so I think that's why it's a little frustrating on this show that it feels like she is kind of overshooting the mark of like, obviously I'm going to have drama with people and I'm going to get into it, but also I'm like the fun police and the activity captain and the one making all the like it just is like you're doing too many things whereas somebody like i'm you know i'm loving taylor this season and i had zero expectations for taylor going in we haven't thought about her in a decade basically and i was like taylor seems kind of random i'm interested to see what she brings and probably about halfway through the season i would guess we are right now i'm loving taylor i have such a I'm I'm enjoying her energy so much. It's fun to get updates on her and like see where she is in her life and the stuff with her and Brandy about Beverly Hills back in the day. It's like I'm so like locked into that. And even like Eva, Phaedra, like all these people that I feel like I wasn't quite sure about going in. I'm like enjoying them more than Dorinda, whereas going into the show, Dorinda is probably objectively one of my favorite people on the cast. Totally, totally. Even Phaedra, I love them in the cast. I think they're, I know we're not supposed to like lionize housewives here, but I really, especially Eva, I'm like really, really enjoying. Um, And then what you said about Taylor, Taylor is, Taylor seems like a really nice lady, like just as a person, which is so not, Yeah. you know, she doesn't seem like mean spirited, which I think you can often get with a lot of housewives. One thing I didn't love from Taylor, and I'm willing to overlook it because it was the first episode, so maybe she was a little rusty, was when Brandy was confronting her about like being mad at her. And then she was like, no, no, nothing's wrong. And then she went back and talked in the interview about how she was like still mad. And then Brandy Mm. kept going and being like, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? You just told me there's nothing wrong, but it seems like there's something wrong. And in real life, I understand why like you would maybe not confront the person to their face about what you're really upset about. And this is why I say maybe she was rusty because on these shows, it that doesn't work. You can't tell someone you're not mad and then like kind of criticize them when you clearly are still mad and they keep trying to engage with you. Like she, I think forgot that that moment where Brandy wanted to engage with her was the moment to have that conversation so that it right. doesn't drag out awkwardly. That was the one thing I didn't love. I was like, I wish she had just been straight with Brandy in that moment. 
Totally. It's like you're here for you're here for one week. This is your chance. This is the reason you're here. Like you gotta, <laughs> you know, on Say right, like think. on these shows in general, but especially when you're like in this bubble of an environment, it's like, no, like now's the only time. Like you're you're having the conversation. And in this episode, when we when she sat down with Jill and Jill was kind of getting into her whole trajectory with Dorinda and how sort of at various points she's felt like Dorinda wasn't very nice to her or was kind of dismissive of her. And she admits that she is kind of bitter about that. I feel like that's what you're saying. It's like, I was really glad that Jill kind of like, it felt like in that moment, she like clocked into the season a little bit that it's like, okay. She's like, okay, yeah, I did come here with a bone to pick. And now, now I'm going to bring that onto the scene. And then obviously it escalates after this whiskey tasting that's more like a whiskey like chugging it's like oh my gosh well it didn't honestly it didn't seem like she came with the bone to pick but when she saw that there wasn't there was a protruding bone that she could pick at she was like oh i actually feel this way about dorinda i felt this way the whole time but i don't think if dorinda was like queen bee and everyone was loving her there's no way she would have brought that up and been like dorinda didn't care about me i also think that like let's be real with the scene that Dorinda and Jill were both in. Dorinda probably thought that Jill was a social climber to get back onto Roni. Cause that was kind of like, you know, the whole time she wanted to be back on Roni. I think that was like a known public, publicly known thing or that like she would have gone back on it if she could have. So I'm imagining, and look, I don't think Dorinda didn't do anything that Jill's saying or, you know, maybe it's possible that Dorinda just didn't like Jill or she didn't want to associate with her because she thought that that would affect her dynamic in the show. Like I, I do believe that Dorinda didn't like really give Jill the time of day, but I would love to know why Dorinda thought she wasn't giving Jill the time of day. Right. And I, it feels like Dorinda is not necessarily in a place right now or maybe ever where she's going to sit down and really have that conversation in like a, heart-to-heart sort of way because Jill has been open about in a couple like two seasons ago when she was kind of around on the show a little bit she went to that Halloween party and then she was supposed to go on the trip to the Berkshires that season and Dorinda basically said no and you know, Jill has been open about that. She says that Dorinda blocked her from coming back on the show, essentially, because I think if she had gone on that trip, she probably would have been like a friend of at least that season. But we we've never I mean, maybe Dorinda, we, it's not that we haven't ever heard Dorinda's side of that story, but like it's always in a way that it's like, well, Jill's just talking about that. Why, why would I? Why? Jill wasn't on the show, blah, 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 blah. And it's like we never get kind of the like honest feeling side of that where it's like. Actually, to me, Jill is obnoxious and I didn't really I wasn't loving that she was back with the group. So or whatever it is, you know, like. Right. I hate when they argue about like the status on the show, like it would because I think in reality, it's probably easier for them to say you're not on the show. Then I actually just don't really want to hang out with you because it's so much more personal. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yesterday I had um I had Ray Sani on the show and we were talking about her, this that it's Twitter. like sometimes when you're in a group situation like that with somebody, 
you just find someone annoying. You just don't really click with them. You don't really like them for whatever reason. And on a show like this, that's not really like an acceptable reason. Like there has to be a feud or an argument or a storyline behind it. And I think with Jill and Dorinda, Jill is giving us storyline. She's saying, you know, when I, you know, I brought her around and then when she got cast, she wasn't nice to me. And then when Bobby died, I thought we were going to reconnect. And then she kind of didn't give me the time of day. And like, so she's giving us kind of the whole real story arc, but I, I'm not sure Dorinda's really going to engage with that because Dorinda's reaction in this episode is very like, why are you, why are you crying about this? Get, you know, get over it basically. Which seems to be Dorinda's reaction to everyone, which I don't like because she's, you know, I don't like that that is her consistent reaction, like the get over it, like because she gets so upset about like a cupcake upstairs and it's like, you get over it. You get over it, Dorinda. Like It's a crumb. You have a cleaner. Well, and also, also, I mean, like, obviously her losing Richard was like a, a really pivotal life thing for her. And that's so difficult. But it's like. She is still clearly actively really processing and dealing with that. I mean, we see in the car back from the tea party that she's, you know, crying about being alone and really having a tough time. And we saw that when she was on Roni, too. And so it's and it's not at this point, it's not a recent life event. And so I think it's that kind of thing where it's like, okay, maybe you think it's dumb that Jill is upset about this, but also like you're having your own feelings about lots of different things. And so it's not fun to watch somebody just like refuse to engage. And I wish that she would give Jill a little bit more of an honest conversation about like, even if, even if, even if her honesty is like, I think it's dumb that you're upset about this. I wish that it was like a conversation and not just like a shutdown. Or just like, I didn't invite you. Cause like, I don't really enjoy the time we spend together. I, you know, it would, I would also take from Dorinda, like an acknowledgement that she has a lot of deep pain that has not been dealt with and Mm. her anger that we've watched her anger increase over years. It's not like she'd be revealing anything secret, you know, and she could say like, you know, I'm just really not over this. I never properly dealt with this. And um, it makes me lash out in ways that are really hurtful to people. And that's how hurt I feel. Look, it's not easy to say when you're the one who who does it, but I think that would be uh, an interesting arc for her if she were to come back to Roni. Yeah. And we talked about, we talk a lot about on these shows, like how, uh, and this has been a Beverly Hills topic too, with Crystal about like, your feelings are your own and other people don't get to choose whether or not your feelings are correct. And Jill Jill says in the at the end of this episode when she is in that confessional room she's talking about how Dorinda has never really supported her and she's always felt like she's not kind of getting what she's giving into that friendship and then Dorinda comes in the room and starts you know she's slurring and all this stuff about mm-hmm. how you know we've been through funerals together and all this stuff and it's like in that moment I wish if Dorinda was sober I would hope that she could say like I'm I I affirm that you feel I haven't been supportive enough for you and maybe we can work on that because it's like if Jill doesn't feel supported that's whatever Dorinda thinks she's giving Jill's not receiving you know it's that's just how it goes she's on a high horse that's gonna have a far way to fall let's say that 
<laughs> yeah, no, I um I I feel like my desire to stay at Bluestone Manor has been reduced watching this show. Oh my gosh, mine has been increased. That backyard, I that like landscaping situation, I'm losing it over yeah. the landscaping. I can't. When the hedges, I'm like, I want to go sit there under a fucking parasol and I want to be on those lounge chairs. It is so pretty out, you know, the outside. I'm sure the I agree. Too, I do I do think it's fair to say I don't think Roni ever really did justice to the property of Bluestone Manor. Like no. we obviously saw the inside of the house a lot, but I guess it was always like cold. The dining room. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that place would look gorgeous in in the winter. That's a beautiful, beautiful estate. I really wonder how much it costs. Um, but it maybe she redid the outside for this in the past few years. Cause I know she put it on Airbnb. Oh yes. my gosh, should we do a Betches retreat at Bluestone Manor? I mean, that you tell so me. Fucking you tell me. The You're dates. like, you tell me. Like, that would be so fun. <laughs> I know, it would be so fun. Spring has sprung, and that means it is time for some spring cleaning. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring ones, make sure you are using Ibotta to get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items, from groceries to beauty supplies to toys, so you can make sure you're shopping smarter, not harder, no matter what you are purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of a spring wardrobe refresh, a new warm weather bedding set, or a flight for that summer getaway you've been eyeing. Other apps, they give you points that don't amount to much. But with Ibotta, you just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including all your favorite grocery stores, Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying by using the code MENTION when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code MENTION. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MENTION. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Let's talk about Beverly Hills I'm curious, before we dive into some of the specifics of this week's episode, how are you feeling about this season? How we, how are we, uh, how are we liking it? Ooh, I like it. Um, enough. It's, it still has that Beverly Hills, like, oh, we're going to pretend like we're going to go there, but we're never actually going to say anything. Um, I don't like Diana. I know I'm not, again, we don't do, do like and dislike judgments, but I don't think she's a good fit for the show. I don't think she wants to be there. I think she's not used to people not catering to her and just being sort of like one of a group, one of an ensemble. That's not something she's accustomed to. And I think that that is clearly coming through with her inability to have like Mm -hmm. a real conversation with anybody that's on the level sort of. Um, But I think it's a good season. It's, it's, It's a decent season so far, but I think... There are high. There have been some promises about how it will get better. I don't know. 
What about you? Well, it is it is interesting now. We're moving into probably a, around the halfway point of the season. I think this is like episode eight this week. Still no mention of when Kathy Hilton is going to pop up. And that feels like kind of this question mark looming in the distance of how that's all going to go down and what we're going to be shown and that whole thing. So I think like in terms of where this season is going, it feels like we really have no idea still. Um, but so far, I would say like I'm I'm similar to you. Like I feel like there have been some high moments. There have been some sort of flop moments, if you will. But I, I do agree this episode in particular feels like Diana's shortcomings as a housewife are kind of starting to come into focus a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And while before I was like, oh, I feel like she has a lot of the pieces of the puzzle. You know, obviously she has the wealth. She has the kind of like connections, enigma, enigmatic vibes, you know, like that kind of thing where it's like, oh, she could be like iconic or she could be a one and done. You don't quite know. It feels like now, now that she's, getting in the mix of the group a little bit more, it feels like she doesn't really know what she's doing there. And the whole thing with, with Sutton, it just, it feels like she has for whatever reason decided that Sutton is like a good person for her to kind of have a problem with. And it just feels like she thinks that's her big, that's her big like storyline for the season almost is that like, I'm going to ruin Sutton and it's not giving it's not giving what she thinks it is. It's not her her whole thing about bacon eating vegetarian. She said it like Who 50 cares? times at this point and it just isn't it isn't Who gives the catchphrase. It isn't the moment that she thinks it is and like I think Sutton obviously is polarizing even you know for my own personal opinions there are moments where I'm loving Sutton. There are moments where I really have a hard time with her, but it's like it doesn't feel like Diana is like getting the best, the better of Sutton at all. Totally. It it feels like Diana has a little bit of that Mary Cosby detached vibe of mm. like, why am I here? I'm better than this. But she's not as entertaining as Mary Cosby. And I think I understand why she picked Sutton based on probably what she saw of the last season. Sutton is not great at confrontation in the moment confrontation. It's not that I think she doesn't have the facts straight or what to say in her head. It's that she doesn't get it out properly. And I think that's partially because of her like use her. Uh, she's from the South. Like there's not as much of a straightforward reading situation that she would have probably been in her upbringing. Um, so I kind of feel like she just gets like a little lost in those moments. And Diana thought like, this woman's not going to insult me to my face. So I can just, she's easy. She's an easy target. Right. And Sutton tends to do the kind of like when somebody pushes her in a certain way, she just, she does shut down a little bit. She just like, no, no, uh, 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 no, Lisa, no. But like, (laughs) I think I like you. (laughs) She's like, no, we are friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think that Diana kind of has the, the weapons to really like capitalize on that. It's like, okay, yeah, Sutton is clumsy with her words, but unfortunately for you, you're not really like coming in here and like winning over her. It just feels like you're kind of like wishy-washy. Picking on her. Yeah. And like we see her, you know, this week she's trying to like boss up and be the new villain and all this, 
all this shit. She's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and talk about, but then like just last week, she's like crying at the table. And it's like, I feel, I feel like she can't quite, she hasn't like picked a lane. And unfortunately I feel like as a first season housewife, it's like, you kind of have to, you have to like figure out your role in the cast. And right now I'm kind of like, what are you, what are we doing here? Like, I don't care about your $250,000 diamond Hermes clutch. Like, it's not that's you bringing that up three times at Garcelle's birthday is not the mo. It's not like everything. I feel like a lot of the stuff with her, it's like it's not the moment you think it is. Right. Like the designer stuff and the wealth like that's supposed to be a cherry on top. Like think about like Crystal and Kyle's conversation about her like very special edition Birkin like in last season. Like that was a moment that they talked about when she Kyle came to her house and then they moved on to the drama. Like you can't make a character out of owning expensive shit because like we can all just look at pictures of that online like we don't need to talk about it so it's very much like i don't think she has a point to stand on and she wants to just come in and like argue but Mm -hmm. like for example like why did she pick on garcelle in that text like it's like this whole text about like eliciting sympathy and like seems like she's sort of like weaponizing her situation and then she's like well i didn't want garcelle to be mad it's like Couldn't you just be like, happy birthday, Garcelle. I'm sad to miss it. Like, you can't even be fake, not rude. (laughs) Right. That was very strange because it's like, I mean, yeah, like if you had RSVP'd yes to a party and then you didn't show up, that would be rude or that would be strange. And Garcelle might have feelings about that because that's like how social functions work. But to say it in a text like that, it's like, Sutton's the one that's clumsy with her words like you're out here in a text like by saying that you don't want to be rude or that you don't want to upset her like you're you're being the rudest one <laughs> like right that seems like right. something that you would write in like a separate text to like Rina or whoever where you're like lol Garcelle's gonna think I'm rude I better put something in the group chat not you don't say that and then it's like Garcelle all of a sudden is like Oh, like I I guess we're fighting now. Like, did do we have a problem? Garcelle, meanwhile, is having like the funnest birthday party that we've seen on Housewives in a long time. She's just trying to like drop it low with Lonnie Love. Like she's having she doesn't give a fuck. Like, who cares? Garcelle's party looked so fun. I have a question. You've been following Watch What Happens Live that issue about Crystal and whether there was something she said on Watch What Happens Live that Sutton said something Uh else that was like more dark. And then Kyle, I think like a week later said, that's not true. And then last night, Garcelle said, I'm going to echo what Kyle said. And that's Crystal. And that is that Crystal lied when she came here. That is like that, that. That to me is like real drama. They're accusing her of lying on Watch What Happens Live. It's strange because it's like, in one way, I'm like interested to know kind of what's, what the you know, is. who's sta- where like, yes, but also just like where the group stands. And like, as we get closer to when they're going to be filming their reunion, it's like it seemed like Crystal and Sutton and Garcelle were all kind of on a good page. But then now it kind of calls into question, like if Garcelle is going to come out here and be like, Crystal's a liar. Obviously, that seems like they're probably not BFFs right now. But like. On the other hand, I'm like, if we're never going to get a concrete answer about this situation, then why do I, why am I going to keep caring about it? Like they're at a certain point, it's like, if everybody's just talking in circles 
and they're going to say, and Crystal's going to say one thing and it's going to be a, he said, she said, she said, like at a certain point and it, Beverly, this is kind of, uh, indicative of a larger thing on Beverly Hills where it's like so much of it is tied back to something that didn't happen on camera or something we're not going to talk about. We're not going to say what we're really talking about, or there's going to be some vague weird messiness. And like some of the stuff with Erica is like that too. And it's just like uh, at the end of the day, like 50% of the stuff on this show is like, okay, whatever. Can we, can we fight about something that like, is on the show. We've seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I okay. I I don't want to pre. I want to just set expectations. But I think that is going to happen with the Aspen trip because that conflict happened off camera, and mm-hmm. there was apparently like a whole thing with trying to get Kathy to admit to what she had said off camera on camera so they could discuss it. So we're going to be. I know everyone's like right. the Aspen trip. What happened? The thing that happened, we're not going to see. So it's really upsetting. And I think Kathy left like right after. So there's not like a in Aspen debrief. Um, It's yeah. So I I, just setting up everybody that we're getting. I know the the big drama of the season. We are getting something that's talked around. It's like it's interesting. Like they must all be so aware that the cameras are there because if all this crazy shit is happening when the cameras aren't, it shows that they're purposely staying calmer because the cameras are there. Well, I mean, totally. And I think that's on, I mean, to tie it back to girls trip this season, I remember when they were filming, there were a lot of kind of sources and stuff reporting rumors and tea and whatever while they were still at Bluestone Manor. And there was like the report that Vicky was spouting her anti-vax stuff and we had heard that there she you know she and Steve were going through it or whatever but it, it didn't seem clear if that stuff was really going to be included in the show and i'm so glad it has been because there are so it feels like with this season of girls trip there are so many layers of what we're watching that it's like you know Vicky and Dorinda are having their thing and on top of it Vicky's going through this breakup and then there's the thing about the food in the rooms and then there's like a whole other you know like there's just a lot going on in a way that makes it really compelling to watch. And I'm glad that all of it is really being shown to us. And I think with Beverly Hills, it's like, I'm still enjoying it. It's not like I don't want to watch the show or like, I think they're having a horrible season, but it's like, I think I would enjoy it more if it felt like we were really being given all of the information. And with a show like Beverly Hills, that's just never quite going to happen. Right. I think it's, partially like the culture of it being a in beverly hills like at all and i think that that's just sort of like an occupational hazard of filming in that crowd yeah well i mean whatever they're not going to show us on camera at least we're going to get um hip-hop rob and uh mikey minden and all of our fun little side characters yeah and i'm loving sheree sheree's fun too i'm I'm glad sheree is now officially in the mix yeah, we are getting right. Exactly. Like we need to add some more people. So who are not maybe as used to holding their tongue in front of the camera. Like we got to I, I that's what that's what I like. That was what made Beverly Hills so good. And that's what really made it my like 
my big investment show is that like the early seasons, like that drama was so uncensored. And even up to like season five, let's say, don't talk about the husbands. After season five, it just, they stopped. And I'm just like praying that they'll one day get back there. You never know. I mean, if somebody's feeling spicy at the reunion, like I could see this reunion, this reunion, like if some pieces come together, I feel like it could be a really amazing reunion because there is so much that's happened off the show. But also it's like, you never know. But I mean, whatever. We're who, who are we kidding? No, We're they gonna do watch sometimes. Way, so. they, oh, I'm gonna watch either way. No, sometimes they do reveal reunions, and yeah, again, I think it is partially being that they're in LA. They all want more for their careers. Like they don't just want to be the housewives. Whereas if you're in, I don't know, Dallas, I'll say that as mm. an example. Like they're not. They're gonna be the housewives, and then they're gonna get like opportunities from being the housewife. Whereas like Kyle Richards like wants to be in real movies and. Erica Jane wanted a pop star career and Lisa Rinna wants like to be a talk show host, I'm sure. So they, right, like, they, I mean, they're more protective of their reputations. Yeah. I mean, look at Kyle. She's it's starring in the movie next star. Halloween movie. Kyle's a movie star. Because people liked her so much in the last one. Garcelle, I mean, Garcelle literally signed a first look deal to develop projects with NBC Universal. Like this is. Garcelle is such a fucking boss. I want to know what Birkin she got. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a project in their portfolio, not like their whole identity, you know. Right. So they can't have this one project bleeding into their real projects is kind of why I think they're so protective. And because they all want that, it's like, oh, well, look out for I'm not going to really make you look bad. Although it seems like Crystal is, you know, not. I wonder if that's why Garcelle and Kyle are like so emphatic about saying that it's not true what Crystal's saying mm. because they're like, we don't want Sutton's reputation to be destroyed because the same thing could happen to us. I don't know. It yeah. makes me question Crystal. They're like, we're hoping Sutton's going to invite us to the Met Gala one day. So like, we're not, <laughs> we're not trying to burn that bridge. Come on. Is Sutton allowed <laughs> to? <even>? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sutton introduced them to Anna Wintour so they can get invited to the Met Gala. Do you think, do you think Anna Wintour knows who Kyle Richards is? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Via Kathy, maybe. But not even that. I think she... You don't think Anna Wintour, like, knows about Bravo, like, at all? She has to know about Bravo. She has, like, a daughter. Oh, well, I mean, Project Runway is, you know, I'm sure Anna is like, yeah, okay, okay. You've convinced me. You don't think (laughs) she's been informed of... Maybe she likes it. What does Anna Wintour do in her spare time? I would love to know. Did you see the video? This is this is off topic, but did you see the video of um, Christine Quinn introducing herself to Anna Wintour? No. Oh my God! What it is, was at what that um, Balenciaga did that show at the New York Stock Exchange, and they were both there. And there's a video that was on. I think it was on TikTok, or I'm sure it's everywhere. But um, Christine Quinn like goes up to Anna Wintour and is like, "Hi, Ms. Wh- Hi, Ms. Wintour. Like, I'm my name's Christine," and she asks. Somebody's sitting next to Anna Wintour and Anna like doesn't stand up and she asks the person sitting next to her if she can move so she can sit down there and take a picture with Anna Wintour. And honestly, it's it's a it's an amazing video because the level of shamelessness is I think very few people would be would have the balls to go up to Anna Wintour like that and be like, hey, can you move so I can take a picture with Anna? Um, but she did it. <laughs> yeah. Look, Christine Quinn has a lot of gall. For many reasons. You would have to like 
really pay me a lot of money to embarrass myself like that in front of Adam Wintour. Although here's the thing, Adam Wintour probably doesn't, will never give a shit about me like ever. So maybe why do I even right. care? It's like, not like I'm trying to get Adam Wintour to choose me for the Vogue cover, but that's, that's the difference. Like Christine probably thinks like this is going to get her somewhere. Right, and she's like, I'll, I'll have a Getty image tag with, with Anna Wintour. And that's going to open oh. up a lot of doors for me. You know, like to the ignorant, maybe. Who knows? Did she get the Getty image tag? I mean, probably the photo exists. So I would assume it's on Getty. Oh my God. <laughs> so you know what? It sounds like it was worth it because if people like me don't know this story and they didn't hear how it, she got the picture, they just think Anna Wintour thinks Christine is acceptable to be in a photo. Right. So or that they were like seated it. next to each other at the Balenciaga show, which they God forbid, <laughs> which would never happen. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, Sammy, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Um, just just remind everyone where they can listen to you and follow you. So I think if, well, first of all, on Instagram at Sammy, on TikTok or Twitter at Sammy Sage Says. And if you are a fan of Dylan's Pop Alarm, I do a similar version of Pop Alarm, but I do it for the news and I do it for politics. It's five minutes every day. It's called The Morning Announcements. I, you know, make commentary in it. So if you you know, just keep that in mind that it is a biased podcast with the news. Uh, it's called The Morning Announcements. Five minutes or less every day, you get all the major headlines with comments and explanations of what's going on. And um, you can subscribe or follow or anything everywhere you listen to your podcasts. And um, yeah, the App Batches podcast with my co-founders. Yeah, I think that I think that covers it. Amazing. Well, thank you as always for stopping by and thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches.